0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name is Dan Huff from Twickenham. We're recording on Sunday, the 1st of October, and it feels already like the league season finished quite a long time ago. Yet there's been cricket going on and there will be more cricket going on. So I'm looking forward to talking a bit about that and a bit about the fortunes of, of one of our divisions this season and one of our clubs in that division. We're with, as I say, a couple of a, a couple of
0: cricketing gurus. First up, Sal Ali from North London. Sal, how are you? I'm well Dan. Yeah, I was just actually thinking about weather this weekend and the last week has been pretty nice, hasn't it? It's almost like it makes it quite sad that the season finishes as it does in September because you kinda of think going to squeezing a couple of the squeezing of games coming the last two weekends. Alphans so that happen yeah, September yeah. is often quite nice. It's isn't frustrating, it? isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The
1: late Charlie Myers from Wembley always used to say to me that he would insist on playing a game in October every season. And he, people would all say to him, Oh, isn't the weather rubbish? And he said, the Weather's often fine. First week of October, you'd be amazing. To get but, uh, whether the groundsmen at Wembley ever agreed that it was such a good idea to get to playing cricket on the square in October, I don't know. But, but But Charlie was adamant that September and early October wasn't the worst time to be playing. Our guest this evening, um, Harpal Sagu from East Coast. Harpal, have you ever played any cricket in October in this
2: country? I don't think I have done. Man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, once, once September's done, the kit gets thrown up into a loft and, and I don't see it for a few months. So, yeah, never in October.
1: I don't think you're the only person who, who says that. Actually, serious question here. Sal, Harpal, were you ever post-season players? When I came down to Twickenham 20 years ago, we, we often had two or three games on Saturdays after the season ended. But... We don't anymore. I think part of it is the post-season work on the square, but also interest in playing seems to have, have ebbed. Harpal, what do you do at East Coast? How do you play that one?
2: I think years ago, I think going back to probably when I was an older colt, early 20s, we definitely played a few friendlies last the league season. I think sort of three, maybe four weekends at of push. Yeah. yeah. I, I stopped playing them many, many years ago. But I know the club still tries to get a few on, but I think it just works with whenever... The squares is going to get put to bed, yeah. So I think, unfortunately, that probably plays more of a part on whether we get a few more games. in. but we we have two grounds as well, we're quite lucky. So yeah, we try to get a few friendlies in post season. Yeah. How about you, Sal? What's your
0: strategy on this? We've been similar actually. A few years back, we used to have at least I think two more weekends of cricket at our club. Maybe even one and two's games taking place and. That's just diminished over the last few years. We I think we have one more after the league season finishes, and that's it. It's all, you know, Harps said similar to what they do at East Coast grounds. Wants to get things organised and the winter plans ahead. So yeah, we've we've actually stopped now. Yeah, which is a yeah. bit of a shame, but obviously there's reasons behind it. I'm not sure what happens.
1: Well, we used to have um, set fixtures that were always really attractive. So so we'd play Sunbury. Which for us is obviously really local. They don't play in Middlesex. That was great. You know, we we only played them in this friendly. And we used to play Kempton, which not at the same level as Sunbury, but it was it it was also a game that we got used to playing. And I think I vaguely remember one of them then decided they didn't want to play the fixture again. I think it was they they just struggled to get teams out. And I think that that's where the rot set in. And now I think I think we'd really struggle to get a get eleven out for an away game, quite frankly, which is is, is a guess a shame, but it is the way it goes. Um there has been cricket. Being played, of course, in Middlesex, up until like two days ago. Did, did either of you follow the, the the championship? Middlesex were right in it until about half past five on the last day, weren't they? South, yeah. Close
0: ones, not say played, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. Adam six down when I last looked. Almost pulled off a bit of a miracle, but unfortunately, they'll be playing the two cricket. It's been a bit of a, sort of rocky last few weeks, isn't it, for the club? Because there's been some some ECB punishment levied towards. I'm not sure exactly what well, I do know. I can't remember what it was exactly. How the clubs has run the last two or three seasons, so. I think it's a bit of a tricky time for the club at the moment. So hopefully they'll sort of pull through in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think they've
1: been spending the wrong money on the wrong things. That's Mm -hmm. that's the most that I can remember. So it wasn't that they were, you know, well, you shouldn't have been spending that money on those things. And that's why the the issues came up. But also batting, fellas, batting. Do you see how many batting points Middlesex got? They got more batting points in the final league game of the championship. They didn't hold the rest of the season. I think we (laughs) know where
2: the problem was we weren't scoring enough runs. Were you following this, Harpal? You, are you an avid County Championship follower or not really? Yeah, I, I, I do. I'll probably follow more of the Middlesex stuff than I do maybe international cricket. But yeah, it was surprising. The batters just couldn't get any runs this year. Um, I can definitely relate. And I'm sure a lot of the East Coast boys can relate as well. But maybe it's just been one of those summers really tough for the batters out there. But yeah, no, I was gutted to see them go down. Fingers crossed they can bounce back up next year. Yep. I mean, I do wonder sometimes about what
1: difference it makes to be in Division 2. I mean, I, I assume there is. There's a financial difference, I guess. But in the end, I'll certainly be switching on back in April and seeing how they get on. It doesn't make a massive great deal of difference to me personally, which, which division they're in. I'm sure it does to some people, but not, not really to me. The season will start in April and they'll play four championship games before we get to May or whatever they do. And, and then it'll hibernate for a few months and come back in September. But, but it, it, it does feel to me that, you know, it was at least... A fascinating final day. I do think the championship. You have to invest a bit of time, a bit of effort in it. But once you've done that, it's always fascinating. And, and, and certainly, the last few rounds of games were were really interesting. From I guess from if you're a neutral, or if you if you're a Kent fan, perhaps because of course Kent ultimately stayed up. Enough of Middlesex. Looking forward, it's not of course as if there is no cricket for us to gorge ourselves on later this week. I say we record on the Sunday, uh, but on Thursday, the Cricket World Cup. Uh, begin. Is so England going to be retaining their trophy? Well, I've said
0: in the last spot I think they're going to win it. Oh, you Probably did say that. Yeah. I
1: sort I of forgot yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think they've got a very good chance. Sort of mentioned positives and why I feel they can do it. Just the format's a bit different this time, isn't it? You've got everyone playing each other once, and it's quite a long composite. of ends in sort of mid-November. I was going to say ready. March 2024
1: or something. Yeah, it goes on forever. Yeah,
0: exactly. Christmas time. So I think I mean there'll be lots like sort of obviously ups and downs with the size. I mean, were, I did look at it, The last picture that in India playing Netherlands. So, Netherlands are going to be out there for the whole stint of the whole competition more or less, aren't they? Making the most of their time in India. But yeah, I mean, as I said, interesting format. Obviously, top four straight into semi-finals and so then there's sort of super six and more groups yeah. afterwards. It's going to be a, quite a sort of cutthroat conference here.
1: Mm, I think the Netherlands, I don't think, have played a one-day international since they qualified, which was a few months ago. So, you know, I mean, it's going to be hard anyway, wasn't it? But I think a bit of practice might not avert
2: along the way. Harper, what are you thinking? Any, any any tips for us to take that off? Oh, geez, I uh, definitely probably could not got any tips for you. But uh, I think England. Yeah, I do fancy England to retain it. I know it's in the subcontinent. Conditions, obviously, very, very different. People, I guess, maybe have always favour on the subcontinent teams. But India have, I guess, bowled it in recent competitions. Pakistan team attack is very You're strong. It leaves a lot of friends in our listeners while using that sort of Holiday, language. Uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll start hating me as well. But Pakistan team attack, I, I think that could yeah. that could potentially cause a lot of surprises. That could get run through a lot of top orders. So maybe an outside bet. But no, I'd fight to put my money on someone. I would go England. I think it's a strong group of lads that have gone out there, Experience now as well, used to tournament stuff, used to winning. And I think they've led very, very well. And fingers crossed, they can bring home the trophy. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, mean,
1: I think India, I mean, it's a very dull thing to say, but I think India at home are going to be a tough nut to crack. And I think your point about the format is interesting, actually, Sal, because for my sins, I remember being in the West Indies when India got knocked out in the group phase. There was a group three, wasn't there? And I think, was there only one supposed to qualify or two? Well, anyway, India didn't qualify. And it completely ruined the tournament financially for the hosts because like, the Indian fans didn't come. And, and I remember someone saying, yeah, well, they're never going to allow that to happen again. There's going to be one big group. India will definitely play by like seven or eight matches because that's the tournament needs it for the wedge. So I'm not surprised that we've got everybody playing everybody in the top four qualifier because that, that gives the big, strong sides the best chance of going through. Is that right? Is that proper? don't know, but it's the way it is and it's, I don't think it's going to change. So so if you have to pick four teams to go
0: through, I'll obviously hold you to this. Who are you going for, Sam? India, England, Australia, New Zealand, so nothing here, really. Okay, yeah, I, I think I, New Zealand's the one I think I
1: was
2: quite in actually. How about you,
1: Harbaugh, would you agree with those four, or would you, go, would you go somewhere else?
2: I mean, only because I mentioned the Pakistan bowlers, I'll, I'll yeah. put them in and maybe take out even New Zealand or Australia. I'll take out New Zealand and put Pakistan into that top four. Yeah, I'm going to go England, India,
1: now... I'm, I'm desperate to say South Africa and Pakistan. I think South Africa are a bit underrated, actually. I think their bowling attack's pretty good, and I think ultimately you get people out that causes trouble. But if I say South Africa and Pakistan, then I'm not saying Australia. And am I am I really saying Australia are going to come fifth? I don't know. I'm I'm willing it, but I'm not sure it's going to happen. So I'm going to go. I'm afraid England, India, Australia, and South Africa. So I think Pakistan will just miss out, but they'll probably go and win it now, given their <laughs> World Cups. But but that's okay. We'll, we'll take note of that. I don't think there's any particularly controversial selections. No one's gone with Holland, have they? And we'll see. We'll see how that see how that plays out. Back to Middlesex, Sal, You've been a look, looking a bit at Harpal's stats. They're pretty impressive, aren't
0: they? Yeah, not bad at all. Um, I mean, this is obviously again going. are now, Harpal. Obviously, just so you're aware. What yeah. Paul's... <laughs> Baltimore has on the league website, so what's been collated over the few years. One man a club. Uh, I mean what over twenty years at East Cup Harpool?
2: Yeah, I think I've done I think I've done twenty five now. Yeah, twenty five years done. Quarter of Wow. Two hundred
0: and forty two <laughs> games, again, records on the website. Four thousand five hundred and seventy two runs, an average of 22.75, 23.50s and two centuries. So not a bad return over them twenty five years, you've been at the club, mate.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'll take it. someone some so, Does it, it feel like 25 many, many, many years ago?
1: Yeah, does it feel like that, Harper? Does it, can you remember uh, your first season? What, what, what was that like?
2: I mean, I think the current state of my body, I think it feels more than 25, if I'm honest. No, I, I do remember my first year. It was, I think I joined when I was 12 or 13. And I remember joining and I, I don't live near the club. I sort of live in Southall. So I always remember the journeys. It was me and two other friends who sort of lived nearby. We'd all be in my friend's dad's car, we'd all driving down and we were known as the three lads that were always late to those Colts games. So I always remember that first season as playing cricket for the first time and always being late to a game. So yeah, that, that, Wait, that was a memorable dream. season for the wrong yeah. reasons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how did three lads from Southland end up going to East Coast? That sounds quite interesting.
2: Yeah, I think it was a different past really. Two of my friends, Jess Chan and Ray Shaw, were two young lads on the Middlesex books at the time and they sort of lived in Greenford. I joined Greenford High. A teacher there saw me play some cricket and she was Middlesex ladies captain at the time, Keely Juster. And she got me playing into cricket. Before I knew it, I was kind of going to some Middlesex trials without being a club cricketer. Middlesex said to me, you need to find a club. They said, there's a lad at your school. He plays at East Go and join there. And 25, 25 years later, I'm still here. So, yeah. It's, I guess, a thank to a few people that got me into cricket and pointed me in the direction. And when I couldn't get a lift, I used to catch the two buses down to East Coast. So all fun and games. It's fascinating. These path dependencies that get, you know, it's almost like a chance thing, isn't
1: it? And yet 25 yeah. years later, you, you're still going through the same rhythms. I mean, I, I think there's plenty of club cricketers who could tell similar stories. No rhyme, nor reason really why they joined X. But once they did, it was their club. Um,
0: I've yeah. never quite asked you, Sal. How did you join North London? So there was actually very local to me. I was living, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes away. I used to play originally in, in Kent for one of my teacher's teams when I was a young lad with two of my mates and then got to the point it was just too much travelling involved and just decided to find a club in the air and that was the first club I came upon.
1: Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. Um, coming back to, the, to 2023, Harpot I mean, Sal and I have often sort of kept an eye out for, for East Coast. I've all, I always enjoyed playing there and, and the tees have always got a positive uh, response from Sal, which which is, you know, it doesn't give that sort of response easily. So, you know, always respect for East Coast tees. 2023, though, was was a toughish year, right? I mean, ultimately, a few ups and a few downs. Definitely, it could have been worse. Ended with a bit of a crescendo, maybe. Well, I mean, what's your take on, on 2023 from, from the East Coast perspective?
2: Yeah, I think it was a tough season. I don't, I don't think there's any other way to put it nobody i think started the year would have wanted or thought we'd be playing our last game needing to win to stay up yep having the previous year played the last game to try getting promoted so it's amazing like fine margins in games how things can go against you but yeah it was it was a tough year we um as a group we probably didn't perform as well as we should probably across all three aspects of the game and i know as individuals Myself in particular, we we probably just didn't score enough runs when we needed to. And as a bowling unit, probably just didn't put the ball in the right areas as much. And I think when that happens over the course of 18 games or 15, once we have three rained off, you're going to find yourself in a tough spot. And we did coming into that last game of the season. But I think in hindsight, that one game, we were sort of gone from being quite low this year to almost the feeling of ecstasy having won that last game. We had a good crowd down the club like we normally do on a Saturday. It's, it's one of the great things about East Coast. You always get a good crowd in on a Saturday, particularly come the evening time of the game. And it was a great feeling to sort of walk off knowing, OK, yeah, we've not won the league or anything like that. But knowing and the, we right, have a good game. Came,
1: yeah, for, for those who weren't aware, was it you were in eighth going into that last game of the season? You were playing Highgate, who, who were mid table. And you could have lost and stayed up if Southampton you had could. lost but you probably, did you get, you must have got news through that Southampton, Southampton were looking pretty strong, right? And they were winning. So that put the onus on you to win. And you came through by 16 runs. Is that right? Against Highgate?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. We tried our best not to sort of focus too much on the other two games. We tried not to like sort of get phones out and be checking scores all the time. Avi as captain was quite adamant. It was all we got there is was focus on what we need to do today. And, and that was the right way to do it. So, yeah, I mean, the game was getting close. I think we won a couple of early wickets. And then Sal, who was back really well there, was starting to go. Fish got a couple early on. And we were like, we just needed to get one or two wickets to get ourselves back in. And, yeah, they, they kept flowing. The wickets kept coming. We took a couple of good catches in there, which always always helped. And then, yeah, when that final wicket went down, it was scenes of joy for everyone. And I, I guess a real sense of relief as well, because... I think if we had got relegated it would have been it would have been tough for the club to take and I imagine it would have made it a very challenging winter ahead on how we regroup and how we approach the division below and personnel, et cetera, et cetera. So thankfully the the club has maintained their division two status and we can uh, go again next year. Yeah. I mean I am just looking at the at the details here. I mean, you know, for those again, just
1: to put some more details on that. I mean you've got has got two hundred uh, in 44 overs and Highgate were 184 all out. Right, I noticed that Casper Everett and John Fisher put on 81 for the second wicket for Highgate. So there must have been a stage there where you thought, hold on, this ain't looking so good, right?
2: Yeah, no, no, there was. But like, F- Fisher's a very good player and so is Everett. I mean, Everett got 50 against us earlier in the year. Yeah. And Fish, the week before, I popped down to to watch the end of the Highgate game because they were playing Southampton, and he had just hit 98 Oh, right. In a in a chase of about 130, I remember it was a rain affected game. So yeah, we we knew they could go and get these 200 quite easily. But on the flip side, we knew we we would to set to back ourselves. we just had to put put the ball in the right area. As small as East Coast is, I'd be amazed at how many people get caught on that short boundary. It's funny enough, for Highgate. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> and funny enough, we actually got a few of them caught on that short boundary, which was which was great for us. So. But, yeah, no, we just, every bowler that came on, done an amazing job on that day. And we had we had a young team, we had a couple of young players playing as well, like we normally do at East Coast. It didn't phase them. We had a left arm team, a young lad, Toby, who sort of came in and I think it was his first or second game for us. And he, he he took a little bit early on, but fair play to the young lad. It didn't phase him. he carried on. Uh, Avi led us very, very well with the ball that day as well. And now, overseas, Juvraj um, did very, very well with the ball. And, I think he was the one that took potentially one of the crucial wickets. So, yeah, all in all, it was it was a good day for the club and a learning curve as always. But I guess it's nice in a way to go into the last game of the season actually playing for something. I think over the years, in these twenty odd years, it's been there's a lot of dead rubbers and sometimes they don't have the same feeling to it at the end of their season. So, yeah, it was nice to play in front of the home crowd and a game we've won with lots riding on it. Yeah, I think there's a lot in that last, last sentiment. I know
1: you, you, don't, you don't build up a season just to try and have a relegation thriller at the end, but we all play the game to playing games that matter. And if you're just going through the motions, then it's, it's all right. But the games you remember are games like that, aren't they? And I think every everyone who's listened to this podcast will be able to, to name three or four games that they've been involved in in their lives where things were on the line. And, and it's, it's just nice to come out on the right side of those, those
0: sorts of results. Sal, you wanted to go back a few years though, right? Yeah, we rewind back to 2010 ups. I think that was the kind of time I started quite my write ups for, for the website. And I remember seeing Simon Butler at the time, the captain. Now, that was, that's, that's where you finished your highest position in the league of the club, you finished third that year in the Prem. I mean, some of the names are playing for you some real big names Ravi Patel, Adam Rossington, Gurgit Sandu, Alan and Chris Coleman, David Goodchild, Tom Scott a. Looking at the players you had in terms of personnel, not a bad, <laughs> bad side at all. And Harper was oil, was in that team as well. So looking at some of the players you had that season, do you feel that's the sort of scene that got away in terms of you know East Ca becoming Premier League champions
2: yeah, absolutely so I think it was a three year period where I think we finished third that year and the next two years we finished fourth and fourth, and I think I think one of the fours we we got a hundred points, and I think back then you used think a hundred points would probably win you something, but we ended up finishing fourth on a hundred points but yeah, that that sort of three four year period, we we had an unbelievable team, and in hindsight, yeah, we probably should have won something. But I think it was a phase where we probably been at our most successful time at East Coast. I know sort of early early two thousands, it was a little bit Prem relegated, promoted, relegated. There was a little bit of up and down, and it wasn't until sort of oh nine, ten, eleven, twelve, where we really managed to consolidate a good group of lads and. Really put some performances in, and um, back then, obviously, it was all time cricket. So actually, getting those wins was even harder than what it is now, in my opinion. Maybe I'm a little bit old school, and a timed victory is, I think, more rewarding than an over's victory. But well, yeah, somebody, that in over's game,
1: me... I always think it's dead easy, Sal, in the sense that someone has to win, right? In a in a, a time game of cricket, you have got to earn that victory, and if you don't, it's just be a draw, wouldn't it? Uh, and so I think there's, there's very few people who'd fight you on that one. Seems logical to me.
2: Yeah, I, I think when you play nowadays, a lot of people prefer, the younger generation prefer the over stuff. I guess I'm probably one of the old school ones left who do, does prefer a bit of time cricket or a time victory. But yeah, no, that generation, the players you just mentioned, they were unbelievable. I think there was a point, I remember playing a game and potentially it was me and one of the other lads, Paul Metcalf, he was in the bowling and we looked around the dressing room. I think me and him were the only ones that hadn't. Played some sort of county cricket or the university UCE stuff or some form of first-class cricket or had retired from the game or on the verge of becoming a professional cricket because we had obviously Rosso was young Gurge and Ravi were both all three of them were quite young at that time. But
1: Ross, we looked around with and... you, Arpott. Sam and I were talking. Sorry, did he start with you, Rosso, or did he come to East Coast? Was he? Was he? No, you, he, he came he to
2: East Coast. East Coast. I think he was at Barnet before. Oh. Was that? Yeah, he, guess that. he was up at Barnet. I think he came to us when he was fifteen. I'm not sure if, if Barnet had folded. I know they did around that time, mm. but yeah, he ended up coming to us, which was great for us. Still remember his, his actual his first team debut was away at Wembley, and he was, he was I think he was coached by David Goodchild or had a link with David, and David brought him over. I remember I was looking, I was like, oh, blimey, who's this fifteen year old lad going to be our keeper. Turned up, and um, Rosso's always been great character and we looked and we laughed like, oh. he was unbelievable gloveman even at the age of 15 and obviously he's gone on to have a a great county career and play some franchise stuff now but yeah back to your original question so yeah they probably are some regrets if I'm brutally honest having looked back all the years those three four years would have been the time when if we were going to win the prem we should have but I also look back and I think that was an incredibly tough league back then as well I mean it's imagine it's still incredibly tough. I've not played on it a few years now, but I know I speak to a lot of the Crouch M boys who play in it and I know they talk about how tough the league is and it it was just as tough back then. So some really good sides back then that were playing, some really good players that we played against. But yeah, we probably should have gone and won it a little bit more. I just looked up
1: Rosso's details actually, Harpan. Do you know how old Adam Rossington is, Sal? I'm not going to ask Harpan because he might know. What old do you? Reckon I'm going to say he's 27. Oh, okay. He's 30, and I would have gone 35. Oh. I, I don't know, perhaps I'm doing him a disservice, but I, I thought he was, you know, way older than 30, but no. So he's, he's got a fair bit of time left in the game, right? Standing there, catching it, giving it a whack, piece of cake. Maybe, maybe not. Franchise cricket, though. When you know, if you, what was that stat about um, Liam Livingston, Sal, did you? That one? Yeah, something about yeah. Was it innings that lasted next to nothing balls. Or yeah, he scored seventy odd for England the other week, and before well, then, it was a, in his previous hundred and ten innings he hadn't lasted in, in all forms of the game. He hadn't lasted fifty balls. Yeah. and I'm not sure I picked up that there was any problems, but he just didn't bat time ever. Didn't need to, just went out there and whacked it. 110 innings, every single one of them, he, he batted fewer than 50 balls. And I mean, if, if Rosso's playing franchise cricket, then, well, 50 balls is marathon. Yeah. <laughs> you do severe damage in that sort of time, can't you? <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I, I'm digressing again. Back to Sal.
0: Yeah, so we spoke, so that season obviously was your sort of stellar season. We, we spoke about this year in terms of where East Coast sort of finishes the club. I, I do know that, you know, where you're located it is a big issue, isn't it, Hart? in terms of that like, catchment area. You've got Hartfish under the baller, and some of sort of bigger clubs will try and sort of take their young players. And mm. again, some of your talented youngsters end up having to move and play Premier cricket. Like I think Ivan Sarwan, uh, one example, this season. I mean, what what are the sort of future hopes for, for East Coast as, as you move on? I know Paul Martin, you're still chairman. He's very sort of progressive and really trying to behind like, the scenes to get the club moving up again. I mean, what, what are your plans as you move on to 2024?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's Paul Martin's one of many behind the scenes that are working incredibly hard to almost, as much as we've got the playing side going on, trying to improve the stature of the club. Social media, for example, is something we've really tried hard on this year. Something we're looking to build on. I know James Manns, our players rep, Jason Travers on the committee this year. Those guys are trying really, really hard to sort of promote the club and get us out there on all the social platforms, which hopefully may help us attract a few players because we know location-wise, Eastcombe's lovely, but it doesn't necessarily attract many young upcoming cricketers that are landing in London. I think the Hampsteads and the Bronzebries of the world get a little bit lucky in that sense where being closer to London, they get to attract players. And Like you mentioned, we've obviously got young players coming through and I think over the last sort of five, six years, we've probably lost maybe five, six of them to Premier League cricket or to other leagues nearby. So us, important to continue to produce them. To start with, it, it's one thing trying to retain them, but actually if we keep producing them, we're doing something well at the club and we've got a great Colt set up. I mentioned a couple of the young lads played this year with us and there's another, not conveyor belt, but if that's the term we want to use, there's another batch of youngsters coming through who look very, very good. Some on county books, others just very good cricketers playing age group stuff and they will make an impact on the first team. And we've always been, I think, a club in the last sort of 10 years. I remember the four years I was captain, we we encouraged as many young players to get up into the 1s and the 2s and give them an opportunity to play. And I think while you're in sort of Div 1 and Div 2, it's a great opportunity to do that. And Div 2 is competitive and it's a great environment for them to come in and play. So, yeah, going forward, I look to continue to bring the youngsters through. Again, there's another good batch. Give them an opportunity and just keep the senior guys around them to help develop them. And that goes down through all the 11s, whether they come in and start in the 4s, the 3s, all the senior guys down in those teams. we all got a role to play at the club to make sure we nourish and help develop these youngsters. Off the scenes, continue to kind of grow the club, really look at a sort of sponsorship avenue see if we can get more partners in with the club. As you said earlier, our, our tees are amazing. They, they all continue to be amazing. So... Although I do miss the lunches on a Premier League game, but maybe one day while I'm still playing, we might get back there. But, but no, all, all of that sort of stuff, the social side of the club's amazing. We've got lots of social members, lots of social events. And I think anyone looking for, for a cricket club, East Coast kind of provides everything in terms of cricket, social aspects. So the club will continue to grow. We we sort of we were talking about it, I was talking about the lads, was like worst case scenario. We did get relegated this year even if we were in Div 3, the club still goes on and we'll continue to still develop those youngsters. The teams will still be great. The members will still be amazing. The social side will still be great. So, yeah, whatever division you play, you play in. But ultimately, the club's the people and East Coast has always been a people club. And whatever happens on the field happens on the field and we'll continue to develop everything on and off it going into next year. I think they're wise words, Harper, I really
1: do. and And I think the merger between the County League and the Middlesex Championship has played, played a role there because obviously my club's on the other side of that for a long time trying to get into the County League. And it felt like a, a monumental jump from one to the other. And, and of course, anyone who's, you know, 20 now, won't have, they probably won't even have heard of the Middlesex Championship. It's just Division 2, II, Division 3. You know, it's, it's no big deal. And, and I, I think that's a good thing. I mean, mergers are tough and it's not like everything's perfect, but I think you're know, right. Proper clubs go on. You know, that they deal with the odd relegation here or there and they should deal with the odd promotion too. You know, you, you can always come back. You know, you can always go back down again. It happens. And, and I think it's a very sanguine way of looking at it. I don't know what you think as well, but I think also with players, you need to be a bit lucky. It, 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 I mean, bringing through players is, 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 is sort of the, is what, what we all love to do. But if you get one player who comes in and he knows other players and they know other players, then all of a sudden you can have four or five players who might have gone to school together in another part of the country but end up at your club. And, you know, it, it might be that they're from, you know, South Africa, as, as happened with, with Twickenham 20 years ago. So sometimes, you know, that bit of luck can come along and and, and and really change the way a team plays, right? And you can't plan it. You know, it, it, it'll just come at you. But you've got yourself to give yourself a chance for it to happen. So be present on the social media settings, all the rest of it. And I often think, if someone finds East Coast, well, I, I'm not sure why they'd ever go away, really. I mean, a great place to play the game. You know, it's a fantastic place to bat, good place to bowl, and the tees are brilliant. What more can you possibly wish for? Um, so so that, anyway, that's a stream of consciousness, but it just occurred to me that there was a lot of truth in what you said. So,
0: so we're going to put you on the front of our hearts with some yeah. sort of quick, quick questions. Some can be yes to no answers. Some can be a bit more detailed. if you want to go into some detail, which is fine. Um, my advice
1: is the first answer you think of is the right answer. We'll deal with <laughs> libel afterwards, all right, and anything like that. Okay,
0: but yeah. Yeah. So I'll start as well. So I'll, what's, Anyway, I think all these are also away from sort of East Coast as well. So I know your ground's amazing. Ground got the best score box. I think in the league as well. You know, I rave on about that sport box continuously. <laughs> you the do so, rest. Yeah, yes, a cracking score box. Tees are also stupendous as well. So yeah, so we're going to start off so away from
2: obviously East Coast, What is your favourite ground? Teddington. Any reasons why? I just think it's a lovely place to play cricket. Obviously, I've not played there for a few years, but it's flat. No hills, the outfield was always lovely, the deck was always good. I mean, I don't think I scored many runs this, so maybe I should have picked another ground, but no, I always, always enjoy against Saddington. Lovely. Do you have the pleasure of the, of the deer coming across the square? Were you ever, were you ever there? With no, them? no, I, I heard about them recently, but no, <laughs> thankfully, never when I played there, they stayed on the other side of the boundary. So, to be fair, the, the technical players have got a method, they all walk and
1: clap, and apparently clapping puts them off, but when the lights fade in and there's like seven or eight overs to go, you're like, Get off. Get off. <laughs> Got to get him cricket to finish here. But of course, the bloody big deer so you can't be too can't be too mardy with them. Um, cool. Number two. now, who is the best player that you have played league cricket with?
2: Oh, I'm definitely gonna upset a few people here. This is a tricky one.
1: We acknowledge that.
2: Played with I'd have to say Tom Sculler.
1: Scholes well, I can't be, be that play. controversial. Surely I mean, he's a good
2: player. Everyone knows that, yeah. Yeah, but somebody will be upset. I said, Tom Scholar. <laughs> uh, but no, he was with us for five years, and it was in that sort of period that Sal mentioned earlier, where we were finished in third or fourth. And he was just a phenomenal player. He was great to bat with. I always remember we had we had a hundred partnership one day at Finchley, I think it was. And he came up to me when we got it, and he was like congratulating me 100 partnership and I, look, I was like skulls. I've only scored 18 of them mate <laughs> uh, but he was he was actually thrilled that we had got 100 for that wicket and he was the type of guy he was like he was always about the team with him and working hard and training hard and I think looking back those five years were great and he was one of the big reasons why so yeah I'll go with Scolo seems a fair choice to be so the opposite of that who was the best player you played against Again, many options. Two come to mind. As a batter, I'll say Jamie Thorpe was probably one of the best bowlers I faced. He used to take so many wickets and just moves the ball at a good pace as well. So yeah, he would definitely be up there. And Chris Peplow, he was the other bowler that bowled so many overs back in the day for Ealing and he was incredibly tough to get away. So yeah, I'd say those two probably the best I played against. That's only purely like duration played against him a fair few times over the years. Back in that period, there's obviously been no like one-off player. That's probably Corey Collymore, for example, and is that Stanmore obviously gone on and had a great career. But no, I'll, I'll stick with Jamie Thorpe and Chris Pepper on those. Seem like two good calls to to me. Obviously, East
1: Coast is not allowed as an answer to this next one. But your favourite team on the circuit, or or even outside
2: Middlesex, if there's one that springs to mind. Oh. Stanmore normally, I know Stephanie normally puts on a good spread at Stanmore. So Stanmore comes to mind. There's something about the Highgate the stir fry noodles. I'm a fan of them. That's a good call. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a nice change. It's a nice change for all the sort of sandwiches and cakes you get. But no, if I had to pick one, I'd go Stanmore. Stephanie normally puts on a good spread. Or the only one outside of Middlesex down the road, we used to play pre season there all the time, was at Harefield.
1: Huh?
2: Ha- Harefield always used to put on a good spread as well. I often find that villages put on, village teams
1: put on good spreads. But we used to play, when I was up in Birmingham, we used to play village cricket really in terms of Sunday friendlies. And given that I haven't played Sunday friendlies for 30 years, and not many Sunday friendlies have played at Twickenham anymore, there's not so many of them about. But also village village cricket used to be the home of excellent tea? So I wonder if that's still the case. I'm sort of assuming it is, but I guess neither of you guys would be able to add much to that one because you haven't played much village cricket either, right?
2: No, unfortunately I can't comment on that one But what has just come to mind, the old barbecue at Ealing for lunch Ah, yeah, that's not bad. That yeah. cool. Only experienced it once, actually, but yeah, it was it was good Yeah, well, no, no, that's got to be up there as well So there you go, there's a couple of options Yep, absolutely So, so many sort
0: of superstars in time gone by Which player would you say was your cricketing hero? Present company uh, accepted, obviously, obviously
2: Sorry, so was that my cricketing hero? Or...
0: Yeah, I think obviously yeah, somebody who's playing refreshing. I do not have to be win the league. Obviously, I'm sure it's someone a bit more. Mm. That's a great question.
2: Had... I, I, I think growing up for me, it would have been, and this is a complete contrast, Graham Thorpe and Brian Lara, two left-handers, two 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 lefties, which I can relate to. One, I just thought Thorpe he used to stroke the ball around so well. I know he was a Surrey man, and as a Middlesex fan, I probably shouldn't admit that. But yeah, I I grew up watching him, and I thought he was absolute class. And then on the other side, Lara was just unbelievable, flamboyant, played every shot. I like to think my pull shot is is based around Lara's lifting the old leg up. But yeah, those are the two I think that stood out massively for me as a left-hander youngster growing up.
1: And Sal and I have mentioned this before, actually, that there's something about left-handed batsmen there's, there seems to be a natural elegance to many left-handed batsmen that some right-handed batsmen, like, like for example, Josh, but- Josh Butler is a phenomenal cricket player. But in terms of natural elegance, Graham Thorpe looks better on the eye. And that's a ridiculous thing to say Josh Butler's bloody brilliant. But there's something about like, the, the David Gowers of this world. They've they just got something that, that, that you know, it, it, is, it puts them apart, I think. And- I, I say that about left-handed golfers as well. Oh, there's fewer of them, I suppose. You don't see them as much. But, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Next one. Now, this, this one, when we started asking this one, we got 50-50 answers, right? But it's been skewed in recent times. More people are giving the same answer. So if you had the choice, would you be listening to TMS or would you be watching Sky Sports? And I'm talking okay. really, you mean, you, not the fact that you're watching, because obviously watching is better than probably listening, but in terms of the analysis that you're getting,
2: I'll be going Sky Sports. Yeah, yeah. I think they've done a phenomenal job over recent years with everything they produce and the data and the analysis stuff they'd go into. So, yeah, unfortunately, I'm going Sky Sports. It's a value added, mate, isn't it? The value
1: added
0: is just off the the scale. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, Cool. So? Okay, you must have played many sort of close finishes and memorable sort of matches, but which one actually sticks out in memory? So, in terms of all the games you played, what is your most memorable game?
2: Oh, close games that come to mind. A memorable game, which
1: if you could really one game in your, you know, just before you entered or go into the Pearly
2: Gates, which would it be? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the one that was finished by lunchtime. We went over to Winchmore Hill. Oh, I couldn't tell you what year. It would have been in that period between sort of 09 and 1212. 12. It would have been around that period. And yeah, we had bowled them out. We knocked them off. I think we bowled them out for about 40, 50 odds, maybe 60. Bowled them out knocked it off by lunch I remember we were playing football on the outfields just after lunch so yeah that one always comes to mind probably got a TFC in that game but it was a good win this I would put this year's game against hygate last game of the season I know it's recent but in terms of what was riding on the game uh, it's going to stick with me for a very very long time and I think the other one that may come to mind would have been would have been one of the years I was captain maybe 18. It was the year we were potentially in another relegation battle and we beat Osterley on the last day. And I remember just sitting there afterwards trying to refresh my phone and check the updates mm-hmm. of the other games. So, yeah, again, that one, just because of the significance of it with where we were and similar situations of this year. But I think looking back all the way over those years, that one out in which it was mm-hmm. very rare you get to finish a game by lunchtime of the Premier League. So, yeah, I'll put that one up there. It's not often someone gives us a mem- most memorable game where they got a
1: TFC. <laughs> that's, that's a first, I think, actually. Yeah, true. But I know what you mean. And which one is normally a pretty good place to bat. So for a side to be bowled out for what, 40 or 50, you say? That must have been pretty good. Yeah, pretty I think awesome it
2: must been about 50 odds. I mean, they was done by lunch, so not too many.
1: Yeah. Cool. Right, we're going to move on to all-rounders next. Now, traditionally, we'd we sort of ask, you know, if you had the chance to watch one player play, would you go for Ben Stokes or would you go free in both of them? But I'll broaden it. Would you go for Stokes, both of them? or perhaps another all-rounder as being the great entertainer?
2: No, I'd, I'd stick with Stokes. Purely, I've probably seen more of Stokes than I did of both of them growing up. Yeah. As much as i watch watched many highlights of the 92 World Cup with an old VHS at home that used to be on repeat. Yeah. But yeah, I just think Stokes is unbelievable with what he does, how he single-handedly won games. Yeah, I'd 100% go Ben Stokes, over being both.
1: Yeah.
2: I think it's the fact that Stokes
1: very clearly thinks about what he's doing. Now, it's not that Botham doesn't necessarily think, but if, you, if people look back at the, you know, the 200s that he scored in 1981, he goes goes, that's a it, And, you know, fair play to him. I, I couldn't do that. And the vast majority of people couldn't do that. But Stokes, the headingly win, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the way he planned it, and, and he, he was thinking about what he could do, and he had the balls to just think, well, I'm best set to just hit sixes in. And, and it's like, wow. You know, Botham's effective. Slogging, but but Stokes, the, the way, bless you, left-handers. <laughs> Although it's not quite as pretty on the eye as Gower, but I take your point. The left-handers again coming yeah. to the fore. Yeah, so yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I wish he could bowl a bit more. I mean, it, it, it just seems a bit. Yeah, trashy. he can't bowl. But I mean,
2: we are. It, we he are. must be carrying something if he can't bowl. It's yeah, there's something wrong with him in that sense. But no, he's a good bowler as well, on his day Yep, absolutely. Sam. I'm going to take a bit of a punt here on this one. I'm sure I've heard it before, but. Did you teach Bukayo Saka as a pupil? <laughs> at your
0: school,
2: at your I did, yeah. I had the pleasure of teaching him in year 10 and 11. Okay, it so he was a lovely young so man.
1: For question, an Arsenal you. fan, there was no way that he was ever going to avoid mentioning this, our I'm sure you're <laughs> aware. But, so uh, did, yeah, sorry,
0: so. did, did you foresee his future, where he got to right now? Did you think he had everything to make where he's got to? Yeah, right now? When,
2: yeah, he he was a phenomenal talent when he came to us in year seven. You, you could tell straight away, like he was already on the books at Arsenal. Uh, I think from sort of year nine onwards, he gets what they call a day release. So he only came to school four days a week. I remember he helped us win the County Cup for the first time in our school's history in year eight. So yeah, he was phenomenal. If I'm honest, I remember a few of us talking about it at work. We didn't think he'd it'd be so quickly. How quick he's got to the top, we thought maybe he's going to have to go on loan somewhere and play a few games that way, but clearly we knew nothing because he was in the Europa League team, I think, two weeks later, making his debut, and yeah, he's absolutely phenomenal. We we, we knew how amazing he would be, didn't realise it would be this quick.
1: I think that's a fair call, though, isn't it? I mean, Harry Kane famously had, was it, seven loans before he... David Beckham's league debut was for Preston North End, you know? I mean, it's pretty normal for folks to go down that route, so respect you. How old is he now, then?
2: Sackage, 21-22. Yeah, he's been around forever.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. amazing stuff. Now, I'm I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this one because we we, we mapped these out beforehand. um, But if you had a choice, um, do you watch Test cricket or do you watch any other format? And if so, what is the format and why? Oh, I'd be picking Test cricket every day. Yeah, Yeah. I I should have known that one. That was a a long (laughs) half volley. Um, Yeah, it just has to be, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, no, it's, for me, it's the, it's the pinnacle of the game. It's it's the biggest test for any player, I guess, who plays it. And as a fan watching it, you're going to see the best of the best. So, yeah, for me, test Griffith all day long. Yeah, makes
1: a lot of sense. Um, last one moving forward, most more general question. So how did East Coast winter? You guys aren't netting now, are you? Please tell me you're not netting now. That'll make us feel... No, good. no, no, no. Okay. We're
2: definitely not that keen. <laughs> well, we normally start sort of just post-Christmas, January yep. time that will hire out a facility normally we have moved in the last couple of years so last year we were lucky we used william perkin school okay. the new center there so hopefully we can get that again but yeah it'll just be a combination of sort of netting skills stuff bit of fitness stuff and then the get outdoors in april or as soon as we can yeah i think a lot of clubs do that i know certainly we do that yeah, there's always some
1: keen souls who, who end of October want to go and have an indoor net. But as a club, we, we had yeah, none of that. We, <laughs> if only because the guys who run it need to recharge the batteries. But yeah, January sort of when we kick in. Same with North London, Sal. That's
0: what you guys do. Yeah, yeah we sort of do January, sort of around March, and then we go outside when the weather gets better. and it's a bit lighter.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Harpah, it's been great having you on. Thanks very much for your, for, for your insight and, and, and really appreciate your... You know, your openness about about East Coast's trajectory, because as you say, it's it's easy to forget there was only just over 10 years ago that East Coast were, you know, were right at the top of the prem with fantastic, you know, fantastic sort of set of players. Now, in many ways, not much has changed. Still a fantastic place to play. Certainly means our love going there. Very best of luck in 2024. Any news on
2: overseas players or is it way too early to talk about that yet? No way, way too early yeah. Absolutely way too early Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'll try to avoid cricket For a little bit Before I get back Into talking about it And talking to the guys And seeing what the plans are So But no Thank you for having me down Sal It's been an absolute Pleasure to be on Good stuff Well, we'll go well Sal, and Sal Enjoyed the Cricket World Cup I mean
1: I'm sure You like me Will be trying to Engineer a bit of work from home stuff wherever possible to follow the games, but we will we will know it, reconvene in a little bit to see how England, India, and everyone else is getting
0: on. Okay, cheers, guys. Thanks very much. Brilliant, guys. Take care. Good. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. Sports
2: Social Podcast Network.